we have an opportunity today for you to hear from the people who are in your church. Y'all come on up, the ones of you who are participating this morning in, in, in our talks. We're talking about the ship that the church is. And remember, we're, a, we're, we're prepared for spiritual battle. We're a battleship. We take our stations, and we have worship and fellowship and discipleship and stewardship. Preachers will tell you that often the best sermons come from you. <laughs> Amen? It's true. Well, it's true. Um, and so this morning, Charlotte Baker, Hayes Johnston, Sally Brass, and Trey Rhodes have come up to talk to us about each of the four ships that we have been talking about this October. And we'll have a wrap-up at the end. But we, today's our Commitment Sunday, so we have an opportunity to take those pamphlets. Um, if you don't have one, the ushers will get you one. But we'll take those pamphlets, we'll, we'll turn those in, or you can hold on to it for another few days if you want. You can get it into the church office. But take a listen to where the heart of the church is. I'd like to read to you John 4. 23 and 24 from the message. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply, honestly, authentically themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, the Spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirit, their true selves, in adoration. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Worship begins when we let God love us. All you sweet children who are here, you know God loves you. Jesus loves the little children. Always remember he has got you, and He is leading you in the path that He has for you. An amazing journey. It's the same love for us as adults, all of us, but sometimes through the blows of life, through the unexpected, through the tragedies, through the mess-ups, through the brokenness, and even in our own independence, get spiritual amnesia. It sets in and our hearts forget. We think we have to do it ourselves. We've got to get good enough. Worship begins when we remember who we are and we remember who He is. We let holy God be our unholy lives. We take off our mask. We stop trying to figure things out. We stop trying to be good enough. Stop striving. We be still and know that He is God. Then we see, we recognize the depths of God's love. That He gave His Son who carried our sins to the cross. I'm overwhelmed and I can't help but surrender. I give up my self-righteousness as so ugly and so repulsive. Jesus is waking me up to his love. It's an awakening. 
can't do it on my own. It's coming from Him. And in that presence of God, my unworthiness, my mess up, my sin, my own thoughts melt away. And I surrender to the righteousness of Christ so that I'm free. He redeemed me. Redemption, He paid the price for my sin. When I know that I am loved by such a merciful, loving God who thinks I am worth the life of his son, I can surrender and be completely vulnerable, broken before him, and there I find completeness, healing, and that amazing love. When I worship, I'm connecting with God. And therein I find forgiveness, completeness, peace, intimacy, and communion with Him. He reveals Himself to me fresh and new. It's the Holy Spirit conversation going on. He's intervening as we commune with the Father. And praise and surrender are the natural outcome of that communion. It's a beautiful flow of the Holy Spirit. So indescribable. So beautiful. And I can't help but praise Him. And through this intimate communion with the God of the universe, I am transformed. I'm made new. As I fix my eyes on Jesus, I gain His perspective, His power, His strength, equipping me for His purpose. He gives abundant life. He fights for me. He gives me victory. He picks me up when I fall, and he is on my side. Hallelujah. I'm overwhelmed. He gives me peace in the storm so that I can dance in the rain with joy. Worship brings us into the presence of God, and his presence changes everything. Thank you, Jesus. I'm overwhelmed and never alone. I'm going to start with a question. What does fellowship really mean to you? Is it a big group or a small group of people? The definition of fellowship, uh, as the internet said, was friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Well, I mean, we're having friendly association, are we not? And uh, generally speaking, this would be with people that share our interests. So we are clearly all involved in fellowship in our everyday lives, and that's true whether we realize it or not. Even if we sit at home all day, we we are constantly in fellowship with God. No matter what, he is there. Miss Joanne said in her sermon about fellowship a few weeks ago that we need to get down and dirty in relationship with Jesus. We need to actively pursue and crave his love. Our relationship with God is the most important thing to us. We need to talk to God and have open and honest conversations. I mean, he knows everything about us anyway. God's word is what fills us up. We need to listen to what he has to say. In life, we need to surround ourselves with good, godly people, people to live our lives with us. God wants us to live this life with other people. The 
great commission is to go and make disciples of all nations. And that is a call to people, not away from people. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, Now all of you are the, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And now a little bit about me. Fellowship is a very important part of my life. I'm a pretty social guy. I like to talk. Those of you who know me will probably know that. I can, I can run my mouth a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, to start, I work at Chick-fil-A. I was talking to, my, uh, to the owner-operator about this, and it, it really blew me away. On average, our store, the, the Noonan Dwarf House, processes 2,900 transactions a day. And now that's 2,900 single people. With a lot of people coming in groups, that could mean my teammates and I have the opportunity to spread the light of Christ with four to 5,000 people a day just in that one store. It's a wonderful opportunity for us and something we don't take lightly. And then I play football. Um, that's a really important part of my life. Um, before, before every game, I kneel at the goalpost and I have just an open, open talk with God. And that's how, in a way, I prepare myself with his armor before I go into battle with my brothers. Then after we run through the banner, we all kneel and say the Lord's Prayer as a team on the sidelines. And then after the game, we come together with fans, cheerleaders, the rest of the team, and our coaches, and I lead the prayer. My coach calls me Rev. And then at school, I have fellowship in the classroom with my peers. And that's, that's a, that for those of you who are children or in school, that's a great opportunity. And that's a mission field. And we have a calling to serve and spread the light of Christ. And especially for those of us who don't go to a Christian school, it's even more important because we are the exposure that people get. And um, I, I don't go to a Christian school. I go to Heritage. Uh, we have an FCA group there. I'm on the FCA leadership team. So I lead devotions, and, like, if, if people need prayer or somebody to talk to, that's, that's a role that the FCA leadership team fulfills. And from the beginning, God said that it is not good for man to be alone. Then Jesus called us to action in John, saying, Everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. May each of us be known in the world by how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ through fellowship. Lewis gave us a little time limit, so those of y'all that know me, did I just turn that off? Those of y'all that know me know that I have the gift of talk as well, so I'm going to be reading a little from my notes as to not go over my time. I've been asked to talk about discipleship. I used to think that disciples were only those that God called to spread his word across the world to the ends of the earth. I now realize that I too am a disciple. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And although he hasn't called me across the world yet, he has called me, and I have followed. It has been costly, just as Jesus told his disciples that it would be in Matthew 16, 24 through 27. However, the cost pales in comparison to what my Lord and Savior did for me, and the joy that following him has brought far outweighs the cost.
So let me take a few moments and share how God may call. He may ask you to grow spiritually with a group of friends that you've desperately prayed for since moving to a new town, only to pluck each one of you from that group and move you to different churches or perhaps keep you at the same church. The separation will be painful, but the fruit that each one produces in their new or their same place of worship will be priceless. He may ask you to support your spouse as they close the business that God had clearly given just a few short years before. There may be moments of doubt, humiliation, maybe even a lost friendship. But watching your spouse accept the call into a ministry that will produce more fruit than you will ever have time to share will be priceless. He may ask you to foreclose on a beautiful home that you have grown to love on a street with neighbors, but more importantly, special lifelong friends that you had prayed for desperately. It will be painful to leave a place and the people you love. However, the gift of a house that God orchestrates specifically for your family will be priceless. He may ask you to go back to school and earn a degree that you never had thought to pursue. It will be time-consuming and difficult not to mention the student loan on the cusp of taking three children through college, it will add up. But experiencing the faithfulness of God to grant the time, the energy, and the perseverance during the process will be priceless. He may call you to step out in faith and reach out to someone who has just been diagnosed with breast cancer. He may lead you to their home and have you pray with them. And what you won't realize at the time is that a beautiful friendship is forming. And both of you will be ministered to and encouraged. The fact that the friendship will last only seven short years will hurt. But the knowledge and certainty of a complete heavenly healing and the example of living life to the fullest and never giving up that will be etched in your heart forever will be priceless. So have you laid down your cross and picked his up? Has he called you and you said yes and followed even though it was painful? Have you put yourself last in order to serve and spread the good news? Are you being faithful wherever he has placed you? Are you being controlled by the Spirit and bearing fruit of the Spirit? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you too are a disciple of Jesus Christ. I have to follow that. Very well done. Uh, My name is Trey Rhodes, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about stewardship. And I think the old way of thinking of stewardship goes back to years and years of us sitting in church and listening to the preacher talk about tithing, the building fund, uh, the needs financially of the church. But realistically, that's not what stewardship is. While tithing, the building fund, and all that is extremely important in our church, um, stewardship 
is, is really all about the time, the ability, the gifts, and the resources that Jesus and God have given us. Um, as we all know, everything we have is God's. Our family, uh, our businesses, our jobs, the houses, the cars, everything we have. Um, and it's our responsibility to manage what he has entrusted us with. Um, stewardship ties all of this together. The suffix ship means action, to go. And as believers, we are responsible to him to help further his kingdom. And it's all for his glory. Worship, as we watch the band and the singers today, the stage prep people, the communion, um, they're using their talents and their abilities to help further the worship. The discipleship that goes on in here for the youth and watching the, the people, the mentor, the youth, and helping grow their belief in Christ. And the fellowship. The fellowship strengthens our faith, the connectivity to the people that are around us, that we stay around, um, really helping us avoid isolationism. Um, that's really where the enemy wants us, is isolated. And as we stay together, we strengthen ourselves and our relationship and faith. You know, tithing obviously is, is very important. And I, I can say Lynn and I have been so blessed over the years. And uh, when we first started here, you know, that's the thing. We would sit down and come up with what we were going to tithe and how we were going to do it. And, and I'm not going to say we didn't struggle early on writing the check every month or something of that nature. Maybe it was every two months, however it went. But one of the best things we ever did was set it up in QuickBooks. And it just became easy because we didn't have to think about it. And that's a practice we still, we still do. Um, for me, really, my mission is, is not necessarily in these four walls. I've been very blessed with a, with a wonderful business and wonderful people. And uh, really, my business grew radically with people really because of a, a Bible study and David Johnston talking about the prayer of Jabez. And I don't think David and I have ever talked about this. But David spoke to a, a Bible study that we have at 530 in the morning on Wednesday mornings. And the prayer of Jabez is, O oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. And I can say I said that prayer for two months, and I had no idea what it meant or where it would go. Um, and at the time in my business, you really could only have one location, and one location limits resources to grow organization and people. Shortly thereafter, my organization or the company that I work for let an opportunity to have multiple locations. And as that occurred, my territory was enlarged and more people came in it. So for me, the people that work for me and more specifically the young men that I have that work for me, I have you know, 10, 12 young men and they're at a very impactful age in the 20 to 30 years old. You know, those are people that are getting going, 
they don't know what they can and can't do in life. They don't know, maybe most of them don't even know their spouse yet and, and really what they can accomplish out there in the world. So for me, um, the leadership, the mentoring, and the discipleship really occurs a large part in my, my business. And I know there's many business owners, David and, and Ryan, that have that opportunity also, and I'm sure there's many others. Um, the one thing I would say about that is none of us are perfect, right? And so leadership, mentorship, and discipleship, in my viewpoint, if I can get it right 80% of the time, I'm doing really a pretty good job. So I know I'm going to mess up some. Um, you know, every command of God is for our own good and for those around us. Walking in obedience feels good, and but we are also rewarded here as well as when we go to heaven. One day, and so I was, Lynn and I were back there and she nudged me as we were singing. It's in the giving that we receive, as we sang earlier. Uh, eventually we'll all have to answer to God and it's about what, how we used and managed all that we were given. And, um, you know, I think all of our ultimate goals as believers goes back to Matthew twenty five twenty one, And we hope we hear this one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So stewardship is about action and go. And as probably most of you know, Go is in the Bible 1,542 times. Thank you. I'm Lewis Jackson. I am one of the co-chairs of the stewardship committee here at Noonan First Methodist, and so... I want to tell you something about these four who just came and gave a witness to you. you know what the number one fear is of people in general? Yeah, public speaking. You're afraid to even say that, aren't you? <laughs> when I called these four people to ask them if they would do this, every single one of them answered yes right away. So what they're up here speaking to, they're not just speaking, they're, they're authentic in their witness. What we're going to be doing in a moment, um, Nick is going to be coming up and he's going to be playing some music for us. This is Commitment Sunday and, and what you're going to have an opportunity to do. If you got this last Sunday or in the mail this week, this is the commitment form. Um, we'll have more up here on the front if you haven't had one yet. What's on here are a couple of things. One is an opportunity for you to indicate areas of service in this church where you would like to participate. And someone from the church, after these are turned in, someone from the church will call you in regards to that interest and talk with you about that. There's also something on here where you have the opportunity to pledge financial support of the church, how much you plan to give weekly, monthly, or, or over the course of the year for the coming year. In addition to this, there's some blank envelopes here, understanding that people 
prefer to be private about their financial issues, what we're asking you to do is at the end of the service, in a few moments, uh, while Nick is playing, you'll have a time to come forward, either individually or in family groups, where you can leave your commitment card here at the altar. Now, I understand that um, there are some people here who are visitors. If that's you, please take this opportunity just to seek God on where he would lead you. Consider where are your gifts and abilities and where would he have you use them. I also realize that there may be some people here who haven't had a chance to look at a commitment card or, or consider what you would say. And if that's you, what I would encourage you to do is take one of the cards, come to the altar, and, and spend some time in prayer considering that. And then you can either mail it to the church office, you can drop it off, or you can bring it back next Sunday. And just so you know, for the financial portion of it, the finance staff members of the church will open the envelopes. They'll take off the financial part and keep that for themselves. And then they'll pass on the other portion to the rest of the staff. So your financial part of this is private. Um, I want you to understand, though, that this is more about how much money we're going to get for the coming year. How much money are we asking people to pledge for the coming year? It's about so much more than that. That is important because when our staff gets a pledge of this much whatever support from the membership, it emboldens them and it empowers them to then go and do ministry. That is important. But this is about a lot more than just the financial part of it. I think it is important to know, because a lot of us don't realize this and don't appreciate how important this is, but in this church, we really don't have debt. The buildings, by and large, are paid off. When we give to this church, we're giving to staff, to missions, to ministry, to programming that furthers the kingdom of God without having to automatically write off a big chunk of that to debt retirement. That's a blessing. A lot of churches, most churches, do not have that opportunity. But this is about more than just the financial part of it. This is a statement between us and God. It's an agreement between us and God of what we plan to do for the coming year. You know, you've heard people talk about worship, fellowship, discipleship and stewardship. All of those are different aspects of a church that is vibrant and strong and living out its mission. You know, we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. And the ship is a lot stronger when all hands are on deck. Um, before Nick starts playing, I just want to again emphasize this is a moment of time for you and God to consider how has God gifted you? Are you using those gifts, those resources, in the way that he's called you to do? Are there new opportunities that could bless you? That's what this is all about. The commitment forms and the envelopes will be here on the front if you need to get one. But realize this is about so much more than money. When Freeman Elliott spoke on stewardship at the early service this morning, he used this verse, and I want to close with this. This is from Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. For, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's more about our heart 
than about our checkbook. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we come before you today on Commitment Sunday, we are so profoundly grateful over the fact that you are totally committed to us. We thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you for the ongoing work in our lives through your Spirit indwelling and empowering us every day. So Lord, during this time, I pray that we individually, as family groups and as a church, would examine our commitment to you. Lord, I thank you for the blessings you've poured out on us. Show us how we can be blessed through the opportunities that come through giving and serving. It's in your name we pray. Amen.